to Talk Talk. I'm your host, Emily Osan, and I'm here today with two teachers to talk about the question, what challenges are raised by the communication or dissemination of knowledge? I'm here joined by Garrett McKee, teacher of IB Design Technology, and Bill Kaisner, uh, IB Global Politics teacher. Um, so just to start us off, what was it about this question that interested you guys? I like the question because in global politics, we often have to talk about where information is coming from and how states communicate. Um, and we tend to categorize that uh, in different kind of concepts, uh, things like authority or ethics or culture. Um, and all of those will change the structure of communication and whether or not that communication is accepted by the receiver or or how the person giving the information will provide that information. Mm. So it's, it's inherent to your subject. Mm. You're constantly talking about this issue. Absolutely. Every day it's a debate. Um, and there is no correct answer because we have to look at multiple different perspectives. So just because the more powerful perspective is the one that dominates the landscape doesn't mean that the less powerful state or less powerful actor uh, has any less meaning to their message. So when you're thinking about this question, you're thinking about within the world of global politics, states communicating or disseminating knowledge and the challenges they might face. That's sort of something that comes up for yeah, you. Yeah, both internally and externally. Okay. All right. How about you? Um, I say for me, it's at least the first reason is quite similar to what you're doing in that we, we in my class, we are teaching students, especially through graphic design, to communicate messages, especially when we're trying to raise awareness about things. And we're looking at what is the best way to communicate that information so that it's not misinterpreted, so that it's easier to understand, and what are the perspectives of the person who's, who's doing that interpretation. Mm. Um, the other reason that I was drawn to this as well is because we do quite an investigation into the problems that we're trying to solve, and there's a lot of data that we have to sort of mm -hmm. unpack and we find conflicting data mm. a lot of times about the same topic. And oh. so how do we decide what is the best one to use, what's most reliable, um, and how can we avoid sort of adding to that misinformation that the original data yeah. might have given us? So that's interesting because that's not even regardless of how it's communicated that just goes back to the knowledge itself. Mm. How do you actually, like, just conflicting data and how do you make sense of that before it's even communicated um, in any way? Exactly. And then yeah. even opening that deeper question up with students in terms of what does it actually mean? The, the young people in the class haven't maybe had enough time to think about it. Yeah. And it opens up interesting debates and conversations that are worth having despite where the design process is going to go. Yeah. So both of you guys mentioned perspectives mm -hmm. and that being a powerful or important part of perhaps like what shapes our understanding when things are communicated, when knowledge is communicated in some form. Um, so I think we should probably talk a little bit more about that. But I want to, before we do, I wanted to go back to what you said about misinterpretation. Because you said something about sort of the assumption that it, it already exists, that there's going to be misinterpretation. Um, can you say a little bit more about that? I think sometimes it maybe even comes from translation, right? Mm. When we're dealing with multilingual people and we see it even within the school, how 
um, or even when we were at the, the Chinese New Year celebration and, and we were having those little idioms or little riddles right. and how those inter- are <laughs> translated and how we might pick up on that. So I think that's part of it. I think also maybe just, um, you know, not having enough experience unpacking data mm-hmm. and making some comparisons between the information that's out there to see what's most prevalent, mm-hmm. vetting sources. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like from your perspective, we're often talking about information in terms of, would you say, communication of the designer to the audience. That's always a thought process that you're thinking about. That is the relationship. But then you also have communication in the context of authorities and experts within design not coming to a consensus. So you've almost got two different areas of this communication. One is providing information to communicate knowledge and the other one is communicating to debate whether or not knowledge which knowledge perhaps is the one that you are going to amplify in your Mm. message to the audience sort of like within and then without the community the design community so like within being like best practices and so forth materials use and techniques and so on and then without would be sort of the artist to audience kind of relationship Exactly. I mean, large design teams are made up of more than just the designer. They mm-hmm. have, you know, scientists who bring in information from yeah. surveys or other mm-hmm. studies that have happened. And yeah. even within that design team, there's a sort of a hundred different ways that that information can be yeah. interpreted and then That idea of like collaborating. And exactly. Everybody has to have a similar vision for what's going on. Otherwise, it kind of those collaboration efforts go to, go to waste, right? right. They, go, they fall apart makes me think a lot about, so when I read this, I initially thought about like couples counseling. When you like, you go and they're like, all right, I want you to tell the other person how you're feeling. And you Mm -hmm. say exactly how you're feeling. And then the other person, they're supposed to repeat it back to you. Mm -hmm. And they repeat it back to you. And it's like totally wrong. They said like something totally different than what you've said. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone. I've done some couples counseling. But (laughs) and then the 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 counselor would be like, "Hey, no, so that wasn't quite what she said. Like, will you say it again? Try again." And so it's like just a simple sentence or two gets communicated and then heard back a different way. Mm -hmm. And this is like you know this is I think the assumption underlying assumption between all kind of communication is what we say isn't ever exactly what's received that's right so we know that like from point a to point b there's going to be something that happens that muddles the message whether right. it's our um the words that i've chosen or the the media i've chosen or right the stance or whatever at, or then also perhaps um the language that i'm using like you mentioned translation mm-hmm. so that's one but also the perspective and the your expectation of what you're hearing might be different Sure. Then why I'm saying it. Is right. that no matter how narrow that message is, how narrow you try and make the message, and how many limitations you put on the audience to diverge from your message, it still has to go through that invisible filter in the other person. And that filter then may or may not interpret it the way you've intended. Yeah. And I think the more specific and detailed the message, mm. the more that the, that the detail gets lost, mm. the more blurry the line gets. Like something like Coca-Cola is like a very uh, straightforward message and it's been told a hundred thousand times mm-hmm. to the like from you know the communicator just the, the image of Coca-Cola let's say like the um, 
I don't know, their advertising and whatnot. Right. Has a simple direct message. Like, they want you to buy the product. That's it. And they right. also want you to think it's delicious. And, you know, in order to do that, they have lots of ways that they're manipulating imagery and right. words and so on to sell that message. But that's, like, at the base level, a very simple message that's trying to get communicated. Sure. Well, that's what the, why your justification is so important, whether it be a message or an example in a paper. Your justification of the use of it, your you know, an example is your example is providing you a means by which to justify your point, right? And you are trying to make it as relevant as possible. So I always give that example of I have, I tell my mom I have a million dollars. She's like, that's amazing, well done, right? So if I just say, if I just say, I don't, by the way, Uh, if I just say I have a million dollars. To my mother, that context, right, that justification, that context is, well done, that's awesome. However, I'm at a party and Bill Gates walks in and I say, I have a million dollars. Doesn't mean anything, right? So very different context. So a fact uh, or whatever piece of information you're trying to communicate will be very different depending, like you said, Mm -hmm. on the audience and who's filtering it and their levels of importance they ascribe to certain facts. Yeah. So they'll filter it through and they'll come out. And I like how you chose a really, really simple message. I have a million dollars. Five words with like, it's really tough to, you know, misunderstand that. Yeah. Um, although there's ways, like certainly I could think, does he mean HKD or USD? Right, or does right, he right, mean right. Kenyan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Like, uh, right, right. you know, so actually <laughs> even a simple sentence can be... Yeah. Miscommunicated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how specific can you make it? Do you, and then, how much do you rely on context? To help deliver the message for you, I suppose, is also another question. Well, and then I was thinking, like, perhaps maybe you could say more about global politics, but when it comes to dissemination of, like, policies or, um, like, government perspectives and and reasoning or justification for policies or however Mm -hmm. it might be, thinking about Hong Kong and the recent, you know, pandemic and their policy towards the pandemic and the way of managing it, when it gets communicated to the public, if it's not... If it's more than that five words, <laughs> I have a million dollars, or right. drink Coke, <laughs> it's so much is going to get lost. Right. And then you have people like responding to this and that that are, who knows what's going to happen to that message that if it's too complicated. Right. Well, and in some ways you simplify the message by making it less specific. Mm-hmm. So you say, this is for the health of the community. And right. then you use those, those nebulous words that don't have... Each person will interpret that word in their own way and ascribe whatever value they want to it. So things like love, truth, mm. all of these terms, uh, they allow the individual to interpret it as a positive net force. And governments can rely on that to get their message across, assuming that there will be a positive interpretation of what health means and protection means. Mm. And they don't have to define it. Well, I guess that's also another potential challenge is that a message isn't just sent, it's also received and then considered and acted upon. Mm. So there's it's, so that's perhaps another challenge is that, you know, if, if governments were to disseminate knowledge or policies, like it's not really the same thing, but if they were to disseminate policies and receivers were just to go, okay, we do that, we don't ask questions, then it probably wouldn't be such a problem, you know, things would just work. 
Mm-hmm. We have laws, and they would just work, and everyone would follow them. But then you have people who think about it. They're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why should I wear a mask outdoors? That's not going to stop anything. Or, you know, did this even, was the vaccine efficient? Or da-da-da-da-da-da. Right. All these questions and people thinking for themselves. Right. Well, that, I suppose then, that becomes a problem in this case. That starts, um, that starts speaking to concepts of legitimacy and authority. Mm-hmm. Like, how legitimate is this message depending mm. on who it's coming from, right? Mm. Has this, does this message change uh, if a different person is giving the order, right? So yeah. if it's coming from the government over time, perhaps that legitimacy could be eroded mm. by whatever actions, by having to lock people up in Penny's Bay or whatever the example is. Yeah. Um, will that message from the beginning when they prevented many deaths while the rest of the world was suffering to now where perhaps it still seems a bit anachronistic in, in the way they're approaching COVID, um, have they lost legitimacy? Has their message yeah. gone from being something that's powerful and resonates to something that is yeah. just echoing off in the distance and not having too much impact? Mm. Well, there's a human factor to this as well, where just naturally a lot of people want to challenge and other people will just sort of fall True. into line. But mm-hmm. there's that fatigue that comes with information sometimes as well when we know what might be best and still agree with it but just can't be bothered yeah. because mm-hmm. it's not convenient for us yeah. or it's just getting old or it's weighing on us right. psychologically. Yeah, I mean, actually, that moving away from, like, COVID, I'm thinking that also applies to, like, fatigue with, um, like, environmental protection. Absolutely. You know, we all know what's that that we're destroying the yep. earth with our, with our waste and our plastic and our, you know exhausts into the air and we know that this is all gonna get really bad soon yeah and yet we've been hearing it like i mean the three of us have been hearing it since we were kids and we've also felt like i mean there's all like it, it without um an a, a clear way of going forward some clear action to be taken you do get this sort of fatigue it's mm-hmm. true, and if, if the information is true and everybody knows it's true, but they're not given tools to act on yeah. it or given some alternatives to see how there's an advantage for them yeah. to embrace it, then it does become fatigue again. You're like, oh, yeah, we're all, we're all just going to die. Yeah. What can we do? Right. I might as well just keep my regular habits together. Yeah, right. and it makes me think a lot about the world now. I forget where I heard it. Someone, I'll have to look it up later, but just this idea that like everything is kind of, in our world as it is, with technology and with internet and how connected we are globally, there's no one really anywhere who knows and is in charge of any of it all. Like, there's no one steering the ship. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all of us. So this, like, idea of us, like, a, a challenge raised by communication of knowledge is that there is no one authority or, like, one kind of... In the past where governments perhaps held authority or scientists held authority you have now such a you know you want to know what's wrong with you you don't necessarily go to the doctor you you look on like webmd and you you have the authority in your hands in a sense um Mm. so this idea i think it gets really complicated now that we're so connected and now of course these authority pieces that are around the world have politicized a lot of those messages as well so that if you do get on board with a piece of relevant facts that need to be acted on it's oh it's it's opposing my political view and And somehow that outweighs even religion and other convictions for some people that's a massive one 
And that's, that goes back to perspectives, but in a deeper sense. It's not just the lens through which you're looking. It's like also how invested you are in the outcome. So right, I think, right, I think yeah. that's a big It's like big objective, one. culture, and ethics all wrapped into one, yeah. one set of, I suppose, uh, parameters that you're making your decisions around. Mm. In some cases, it's going to be fine uh, if you're looking at a group that all agrees on the same issue. However, if you expand out, uh, these groups aren't going to agree on everything, and you're going to have um, cultural relativism where perhaps one thing is okay mm. here and not somewhere else. Um, and even in terms of objectives, right, the objective may seem in the case of, let's say, going back to environmentalism, right, and looking at things like the SDGs, they provide these objectives for all states to hit, and it gives us an opportunity to say, oh, we've patched this benchmark. So it, instead of just saying this is an ongoing environmental problem, um, that it just never ends. Now, we yeah. may have some benchmarks as we move forward. Whether or not we achieve them is different. But then those objectives may actually hurt you in the context of different cultures interpreting those objectives. Like if the objective is not something another culture wants at all, well, yeah. then it's, it's, off, the, it's yeah. off the table. So the objective could be positive if For you one. have a narrow vision, yeah. a group of people with a narrow vision. But if you have multiple different groups of people, a diverse group of people, the objective may yeah. actually hinder or challenge. Well, and I think these, like, frameworks are not, um, like, frameworks meaning the way that we look at or perceive the world, the way we, mm. our perspective, our lens that shapes the way we approach and understand things. Um, and, like, I definitely come from, like, a Western science-based perspective a lot of the time, even though I'm not a science teacher. Like, mm-hmm. I've grown up, and probably you both share that similar perspective, like, you have a belief in science above other things, right? Maybe I'm making some assumptions, but at least I've been taught throughout my life that that's kind of where the truth lies, is with scientific inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that framework, I'm maybe unable to see. Uh, if, I don't, if, I'm, if I am unwilling to set that aside and, and try on a different perspective of understanding, perhaps a religious perspective, um, I may not be able to, that's going to be a challenge when I'm trying to communicate with someone who's coming from that mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. And if I can't set my own aside, and I can't even acknowledge the perspective that I'm within, I may never be able to understand that uh, the other perspective. And you see that a lot with things like, um, you know, extreme religious perspectives clashing with, um, you know, democ- democratic governments or any kind of government that mm-hmm. goes against that kind of perspective for sure and and in politics as well right if we could take the face out of it and not let people talk to us but just put credentials down on a piece of paper and see if we ticked boxes a lot of times we might find that we actually don't agree with the people that are supposed to be on our team i mean politics right it's gosh and that's actually a huge one for this question Mm. like the connection with politics and the challenges raised by communication of of knowledge through a political lens, like particularly that we, in the U.S. we have like these two-party system and a lot of democratic governments have like two or sometimes three parties and they seem to be opposed to each other. And what's so bizarre too is how it, it doesn't, they, you don't even know necessarily what the vote would be, but they, the face appears one way, whereas the policy and actions appear another. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that way. They always you have like this idea of conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. Versus liberals. 
But then when you look at the, the meaning of these words and then the, the policies that underlie them, they are like opposite. It's, mm-hmm. it's complete like newspeak. It's Orwellian. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, and but those messages. Yeah, does. does it? <laughs> well, it works on the masses anyway. Uh, it yeah. works. It works. I guess if your goal is to trick people. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, it's a, that's the thing is it 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 is persuade is maybe a better well, word. Truth. <laughs> so like your your interpretation of what truth is isn't dependent on that scientific mm. that scientific that ability to use a scientific method to prove something. In this case, truth is dependent on authority and you will take the message that comes from this authority that you've already you've already ascribed legitimacy and authority to mm. whatever your party leader is or whoever that is, and then you therefore then ascribe knowledge coming from that source as truth mm-hmm. versus independently verifying truth first. So in that sense, the authority supersedes your search Anything for else. truth. Yeah. Right. Um, or your ability to verify what you think is truth. It's verified because the authority is the verification process. That's, it's, that's religion. Mm. Yeah. It's not too dissimilar, yeah. <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah. yeah it's weird. I, I definitely am not a religious, poly, uh, how to say, religiously political. Sure. <laughs> I have, I would, I end up voting, but I, I really, I don't vote based off the political line. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard to do that. That's also something, I guess, a massive challenge. Um, you know, I guess we're talking about, like, action and voting or political sense kind of blurring the lines with, like, knowledge. But that's definitely a challenge is that it does take a lot of work to understand policies and to understand, to make sense of what you're being presented. Sure. Well, and that's assuming you have a system that mm. allows for oh, that, right? True. So. There's a unit we cover in our political parties in global politics where we look at a one-party system in China. And we look at how they legitimize authority in that situation. And they do it through this, through a level where they, at a local level, there is, from a Western context, democratic means of choosing leaders. So there are some votes, there's little town hall meetings, and there is a democratic process. doesn't mimic the voting system, but it's something similar to that. Mm. Then there's a middle bit, uh, a, bu- a bureaucratic bit perhaps in the center, where those people are funneled into these avenues up towards the higher tiers of the party. And at that top tier, again, is where consultation comes back in, except the consultation is done at a... Uh, smaller levels. So we have smaller groups consulting and they consider that a a democracy. So that would be considered a consultative democracy. And what the top level does with the bottom level is use the bureaucracy to create um, surveys. And those surveys go down and they get information about those from the people. Mm -hmm. And then that information gets sent back up to the consultative group that's much smaller, maybe Mm -hmm. 20 people Mm -hmm. at the top. And they make policies based on that. So that is a form of communication, mm-hmm. but there is no direct communication between the groups, and it does rely on this legitimacy of authority and the yeah. assumption that the authority is going to do its best and also provide truth yeah. to people Well, in an ideal situation. A challenge that just occurs to me in that whole scenario mm-hmm. you're describing is the challenge of time and effort and you know that goes into listening and understanding mm-hmm. uh, like they have to come up with some method of sharing millions of people's voices with a small group right um 
that in itself, like how do you hear from a million people? Right. Or if you're a, an entire country, maybe millions of people, um, if you're if you're you know trying to govern by like a small small right. party. Just right. simply the, well, it, it depends if that message is political or if it's mm-hmm. functional. So if it's mm-hmm. something that is perhaps functional, like <clears throat> the healthcare system and getting people's input on whether or not it is efficient and functional, people are more willing to speak and answer these surveys. However, if it does happen to be a political mm-hmm. survey, people are much less likely to provide um, an honest opinion. Yeah. Um, and this isn't, there's, there's evidence to support So, yeah, another challenge like as well, like the, right. the willingness of, of um, both the communicator and the community. Right. The what's audience, being, what's, what's the medium of what's yeah. being. Con- Going back on a, on a very sort of, and I, I'm turning to you, Garrett, because it's design, right? Is the, so much about visual, although there's other aspects of design, but the, the obvious thing, challenge with um, visuals is, um, you know, well, can the person see? Can the person see the colors you're presenting? Do they interpret the images in the way that you intend them? Um, and then obviously with words, it gets even more complex because of the layering of mm. what language can connotate in different circumstances. And um, Yeah, it's interesting. Before we even had this conversation, I was, I was trying to take it to the basics of how do we actually communicate first? And it's yeah. things like that face-to-face and even in that scenario that you presented with counseling and, and misinterpreting or those games that you play where someone at the front of the line passes yeah. a message to the Telephone. back. Telephone. Mm-hmm. And then there's digital and there's hard yeah. copy and there's, there's political rallies. There's, there's all of these things yeah. that, that give us that visual um, but ultimately, like, how, how is it being interpreted? And yeah. really, if you don't cater to a wide variety of learners, just like we try to do as teachers, where you give them those visuals and the words and the other aspects that need to be used to have them actually interpret it correctly, mm-hmm. yeah. you can take a 100 scholars and put them in the room and give them some data and, and find that you're going to have yeah. a pretty big interpretation of yeah. what those meanings are, unless it's just super cut and dry, like but even no then, non-debatable data. Uh, right. uh, yeah. Even then, it's even possible. Even then, right? then there's user error, right? Mm-hmm. There's like calculation errors, small, you know, just human error. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of, I mean we can kind of wrap up with that. It's just complicated. We have to, it takes time. There's so many challenges. Um, so it's almost, you can boil it down, I suppose, into a couple categories where it's what, what's the message being communicated? Is it objective-based? Is it, um, are you trying to get people to achieve something or are you trying to influence their perspective? Yeah. Uh, is there uh, an authority uh, that is communicating yeah. that message, and is that authority um, using that power of its authority to embellish a message or perhaps manipulate the message? In the case of design, it sounds like in some way, is if you have multiple different perspectives, that yeah, we're going to choose this specific group, this of academics that we now think represent us, and that we're gonna we're going to take that message and give it to the audience, right? So in some ways, you've made a choice, a filter. Um, so you have that directional, which way is it going? What's the point of the message? What's mm-hmm. the point of the communication? Um, and then this is all from top down. So from the perspective of the audience, mm-hmm. what are the challenges to them accepting the message? What, what needs to happen for them to say, oh, okay, this works for me, or perhaps this doesn't work for mm-hmm. me. 
I was thinking even kind of more simply, like, you have, um, if you were to answer just, like, what are the challenges? Challenge one, the language. Challenge two, the, the, mm. the perspective of both the communicator and the receiver. Um, and, and the expected un- message that, it, that they, you know, are they listening? Mm. Like, how many of us are really listening to what's mm-hmm. being said? Um, and then I think also just the time that it takes to do all of that, to communicate well. It's not easy. It's it, like whether it's a political sense or like a, just a couples or friendship mm-hmm. sense, it's not easy to communicate well. Mm-hmm. Um, and does the message change over time? Yeah. And, right. and also like the relevance of the message and the timing right. of the message. And Think about all the texting we do where we don't actually show any of our emotion or yeah. Yeah. have any real context Absolutely. sometimes and how easy it is to misinterpret even like a word or yeah. right. someone use an exclamation mark when they should have used a what does full stop mean? or any of those things, right? right? They so didn't put any kind of Interpretation emoji. really is the biggest challenge. Yeah, right. just how the message is interpreted as Yeah, well. what did uh, one of... And then also the just like the, the validity of the knowledge itself or like was the knowledge flawed in the, in the first place? Mm-hmm. Was there a problem in the way the data was analyzed that's then being communicated and how wrong it can go with that The National Enquirer and all of those star magazines are huge sellers despite the fact that they're just spitting out a bunch of falsehoods to people. Mm -hmm. People want to hear it almost. That's true. Do we? I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to hear it either. Right. Well, back to your point, I think it's a good, if you're maybe the audience, maybe we're always assuming that they're thinking about authority is, is this message truthful? Mm. I think we're giving the benefit of the doubt to the audience being interested. Yeah. Right? Which goes back to your point care? about that's it. Does yeah. go back to your point about time? Like, <laughs> great, I'll take it. Is this the most timely solution to my problem? I'll take You'll it. I don't so care much. if it's real. Let's get it done. Yeah. Let's do it. Right. Wow. Make my life easier. All right, guys. Right. Well, thank you. I'm gonna wrap up there. Thank okay. you for thanks. taking the time today. Appreciate yeah, thanks. it very thank much. You. Really stimulating conversation. Invite. Good stuff. <laughs>